Welcome to the Hackberry House of Chosun. My name is Bob, and I'm reading today from a book entitled The Private Key to Heaven, written by Thomas Brooks, the English nonconformist preacher and writer who died in 1680. He's answering objections that people have for not praying in private. Uh, one of their objections was, well, we're not the master of our time. We, we only have time that is given to us, and so on. So, well, he answers, I've given you six answers to that objection already. There are a few more. Seventhly, he says, I answer that God is the only Lord of time. Time is more the Lord's than it is your master's, and therefore it is no neglecting of your master's business to take a little time daily for private prayer. Times do belong to providence as well as issues, and as God is the God of our mercies, so he is the Lord of our times. David said, My times are in your hand. Not only the times of his sorrows, but also the times of his comforts, not only the times of his miseries, but the times of his mercies, not only the times of his dangers, but also the times of his duties. They were in the hands of God. It is observable the psalmist does not say time, but times, in the plural, to show that every point and period of time depends upon the hand of God. One, complaining of those who say, Come, let us walk together to pass away the time, with grief of spirit cries out, Oh, until the hour be gone, Oh, until time be past, which the mercy of thy Maker hath bestowed upon thee to perform repentance, to procure pardon, to gain grace, to obtain glory. That servant that borrows a little time every day to seek the face of God in a corner borrows it rather of God than of his master. And therefore, why should his master swell, rage, or complain, considering that God never made him Lord of time? Number eight, I answer that servants should rather redeem time from their sleep, their recreations, their daily meals, than neglect closet duty a day. And certainly those servants that, out of conscience towards God and out of a due regard to the internal and eternal welfare of their own souls, shall every day redeem an hour's time from their sleep or sports or feedings to spend with God in secret. And they shall find by experience that the Lord will make a few hours sleep sweeter and better than many hours sleep to them, and their outward sports shall be made up with inward delights. And for their common bread, God will feed them with that bread that came down from heaven. Sirs, was not Christ his father's servant? Behold my servant, it says, whom I uphold, mine elect, or choice one, in whom my soul delighteth, or is well pleased. I have put my spirit upon him. He shall bring forth judgment to the Gentiles. And did not he redeem time from his natural rest? rather than he would omit private prayer. It says in the morning, rising up a great while before day, he went out and departed into a solitary place and there prayed. Christ spent the day in preaching, in healing the sick, in working of miracles. And rather than these noble works should shut out private prayer, he rises a great while before day that he might have some time to wrestle with his father in secret. 
And it came to pass in those days, Luke 6.12, that he went out into a mountain to pray and continued all night in prayer to God. Oh, sirs, did Christ spend whole nights in private prayer for the salvation of your souls, and will you think it much to redeem an hour's time from your natural rest, to seek and to serve him in a corner, and to make sure the things of your everlasting peace? The redeeming of time for private prayer is the redeeming of a precious treasure, which, if once lost, can never fully be recovered again. If riches should make themselves wings and fly away, they may return again, as they did to Job. Or if credit and honor and worldly greatness and renown should fly away, they may return again, as they did to Nebuchadnezzar. If success and famous victories and conquests should make themselves wings and fly away, they may return again, as they did to many of the Roman conquerors and others. But if time, whom the poets paint with wings to show the volubility and swiftness of it, fly from us, it will never more return to us. A great lady, Queen Elizabeth of this land, on her dying bed cried out, Call time again, call time again, a world of wealth for an inch of time. But time past was never, nor could ever, be recalled. The Egyptians drew the picture of time with three heads. The first was of a greedy wolf, gaping for time past, because it has ravenously devoured even the memory of so many things past recalling. The second head was of a crowned lion, roaring for time present, because it has the principality of all action for which it calls aloud. And the third was of a deceitful dog, fawning for time to come, because it feeds fond men with many flattering hopes to their eternal undoing. Oh, that all this might prevail with servants to redeem time for private prayer. And if my counsel might take place, I should rather advise servants to redeem some time for private prayer from their sleep or lawful recreations or set meals than to spend in private prayer that time which their masters call their time, especially if their masters be unconverted and in the gall of bitterness and in the bond of iniquity. And that for these five reasons. Number one, first, because there may be a means to prevent much sin on the master's side. Masters that are in their unregenerate estate are very apt to storm and take on and let fly against God and Christ and religion and profession when they see their servants spend that time in private prayer or in any other religious exercise, which, according to their understanding, is their time and ought to be wholly spent in following their business. Now, gracious servants should have that honorable respect and that tender affection and that Christian compassion to their master's souls as to do the utmost all that lies in them to prevent their masters from contracting guilt upon their souls or from making work for repentance for hell or for the physician of souls. And let me stop here in the middle of this and remind you that though we may not relate to servants and masters, we do relate to employers and employees. And granted, uh, you probably won't be using their time at work for prayer because we can pray all day inside. But um, try your best to apply this to your present situation. There are those 
who don't want you to pray and will try to keep you from it. The Persians, the Turks, and many Indians are so compassionate, when he speaks of Indians, he means the people from India, so compassionate that they erect hospitals, not only for lame and diseased men, but also for birds, beasts, and dogs that are either aged, starved, or hurt. Oh, then what tender compassion should gracious servants exercise toward their master's souls, which are jewels worth more than heaven and earth. And then secondly, because this may be a means to convince the judgments and consciences of their masters that there is some worth, some excellency, some sweetness to be found in private prayer and in other closet duties. For when masters shall observe their servants to redeem time for closet duties from their very sleep, recreations, dinners, suppers, they'll be ready to conclude that certainly there is more worth, more goodness, more sweetness, more excellency, more glory, more gain in closet duties than ever they have understood, felt, or experienced, and that their very poor servants are better and more righteous than themselves. Sazoman, that was a Roman lawyer and church historian, reports that the devout life of a poor captive Christian woman made a king and all his family embrace the faith of Jesus Christ. Good works convince more than miracles themselves. I have read of one uh, Tachomius. Now, he was born in Thebes, Egypt, converted to Christ and established uh, a monastic order. He was a soldier under Constantine the emperor, though, how that his army, almost being starved for want of necessary provision, he came to a city of Christians, and they of their own charity relieved them speedily and freely. He, wondering at their free and noble charity, inquired what kind of people they were whom he saw so bountiful. It was answered that they were Christians, whose profession it is to hurt no man and do good to every man. Hereupon, Pacomius, convinced of the excellency of this religion, threw away his arms and became a Christian. Look, as husbands sometimes are won by the conversation of their wives without the word, so masters may sometimes be won by the gracious carriage and conversation of their servants without the word. The servant's redeeming of time for private duties upon the hardest and severest terms may be so blessed to the master that it may issue in his conviction, conversion, and salvation. There is a maybe for it, and a, a very maybe it should be a sufficient encouragement for every gracious servant to do all he can to save the soul of his master from going down into the infernal pit. Thirdly, because the servant's redeeming of time from his sleep, recreations, meals for private prayer, will most clearly and abundantly evidence the singular love, the great delight, and the high esteem that he has of private prayer. We say those children love their books well, delight much in learning, who will be at their books when others are gone to their beds, and who will be at their books before others can get out of their beds. Certainly they love private prayer well, and they delight much in closet communion with God, who will be a-praying when others are a-sleeping, and who will be dressing their souls before God in a corner 
before their mistress is a dressing of herself at the mirror or their fellow servants dressing themselves in the shop. Fourthly, because the servant's redeeming of time for private prayer from his sleep, meals and recreations and so forth may be of most use to other fellow servants, both to awaken them and to convince them that the things of religion are of the greatest and highest importance and that there is no trade or pleasure or profit to that private trade that is driven between God and a man's own soul and also to keep them from trifling or fooling away of that time which is truly and properly their master's time and by the royal law of heaven ought to be spent solely and wholly in their service and business. For what ingenuous servant is there in the world that will argue this? I see that such and such of my fellow servants will redeem time for private prayer and for other closet services from their very sleep, meals, and so on, rather than they will borrow or make bold with that time which my master says is his. And why then should I be so foolish, they will think, so mad to trifle or idle or, or play or toy away that time which should be spent in my master's service? for my master's advantage. Fifthly and last, because the servant's redeeming of time for private prayer from his sleep, his meals, his recreations cannot be, but be infinitely pleasing to God and that which will afford him most comfort when he comes to die. The more any poor heart acts contrary to flesh and blood, the more he pleases God. The more any poor heart denies himself, the more he pleases God. The more any poor heart acts against the stream of sinful examples, the more he pleases God. The more difficulties and discouragements a poor heart meets with in the discharge of his duty, the more love he shows to God. And the more love a poor heart shows to God, the more he pleases God. Go and cry in the ears of Jerusalem, saying, Thus says the Lord, it says in Jeremiah, I remember thee, the kindness of thy youth, the love of thine espousals, when thou wentest after me in the wilderness, in a land that was not sown. Israel was holiness unto the Lord, and the firstfruits of his increase. All that devour him shall offend. Evil shall come upon them, saith the Lord. God was very highly pleased and greatly delighted with the singular love and choice of affections of his people toward him when they followed after him and kept close to him in that tedious and uncouth passage through the waste, howling wilderness. How all these things do comport with that poor, pious servant that redeems time for private prayer upon the hardest times imaginable? I shall leave the ingenuous reader to judge. And certainly upon a dying bed no tongue can express nor heart conceive but he that feels it, the unspeakable comfort that closet duties will afford to him that has been exercised in them, upon whose hard terms that are under present consideration. Number nine, your relationship with God calls aloud for private prayer. This is the ninth answer to this objection about time. I answer, if thou art a gracious servant, then the near and dear relation that is between God and thee and the choice privileges that thou art interested in, call aloud for private prayer. As thou art thy master's servant, so thou art the Lord's free man. 
For he that is called in the Lord being a servant is the Lord's free man. Likewise, also, he that is called being free is Christ's servant. You are bought with a price. Do not be the servants of men, either when they command you you things forbidden by Christ or forbid you things commanded by Christ, or when they would exercise a dominion over your faith or a lordship over your consciences. Suffer not yourselves in spiritual things to be brought into such bondage by any men or masters in the world as not to use that freedom and liberty that Christ has purchased for you with his dearest blood. No servants are to serve their masters in opposition to Christ, nor no servants are to serve their masters as spiritual masters, nor no servants are to serve their masters as supreme masters, but as subordinate masters. And as every gracious servant is the Lord's freeman, so every gracious servant is the Lord's friend. And as every gracious servant is the Lord's friend, so every gracious servant is the Lord's son. And as they are the Lord's son, they are the Lord's spouse. Now I appeal to the consciences of all that have tasted that the Lord is gracious, whether the near and dear relation that is between the Lord and pious servants doth not call aloud upon them to take all opportunities and advantages that possibly they can to pour out their souls before the Lord in secret and to acquaint him in a corner with all their secret wants and weaknesses and wishes. And as gracious servants are thus nearly and dearly related to God, so gracious servants are very highly privileged by God. Gracious servants are as much freed from the reign of sin, the dominion of sin, and the damnatory power of sin as gracious masters are. Gracious servants are as much freed from hell, from the curse of the law, and from the wrath of God as their gracious masters are. They are as much adopted, reconciled, and pardoned, and justified, and redeemed as their masters. Gracious servants are as much heirs, heirs of God, joint heirs with Christ, as their masters. They are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, called out of darkness into his marvelous light as their masters. Therefore, they being all alike interested in all these great and glorious privileges which belong to saints as saints, they are without all peradventure alike obliged and engaged to all those duties which lie upon saints as saints, among which private prayer is one, and therefore they are to buckle to this duty, apply themselves with vigor to it, against all carnal reasons and objections whatsoever. And answer number 10, the reward of private prayer is promised to servants as well as others. The promised reward in the text lies as fair and as open to the servant as to the master, to the bond as to the free, to the peasant as to the prince. Whosoever prays to his heavenly Father in secret, be he high or low, rich or poor, he shall receive an open reward. The reward in the text is not to be confined or limited to this or that sort of or rank of men, but it is to be extended to all ranks and sorts of men that make conscience of private prayer, of closet duties. Servants, it says, be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling, in singleness of your heart as unto Christ, not with eye service as men-pleasers, but as the servants of Christ, 
doing the will of God from the heart, with good and will doing service as to the Lord, not to men, knowing that whatsoever good things any man doeth, the same shall he receive of the Lord, whether he be bond or free. Servants, obey in all things your masters, according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleasers, but in singleness of heart, fearing God. And whatever you do, do it heartily, as to the Lord, and not unto men, knowing that of the Lord you shall receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. That's from Ephesians and Colossians. Such servants as serve their masters faithfully, cordially, and in singleness of spirit, shall receive the reward of grace and the reward of the inheritance. The meanest servant, the lowliest, that is faithful in the service of his master, shall for a recompense receive the eternal inheritance. The recompense of reward in the scripture last cited in Romans is not of merit but of mere grace. It's Romans 8. Because the inheritance belongs only to children upon the account of their birth or adoption. Faithful servants shall of servants be made sons and so enjoy the heavenly inheritance. Christ is so noble a master that he will not suffer any service that has been performed to men out of conscience to his command to pass unrewarded. Oh, how much more will he recompense pious servants for those spiritual services that they perform for his sake, for his glory. God is so liberal a paymaster that no man shall so much as shut the door or kindle a fire upon his altar or give a cup of cold water, one of the least, readiest, and meanest refreshments that be, but he shall be rewarded. It is an excellent observation of Calvin upon God's rewarding of the Rechabites' obedience, Jeremiah 35. God, saith he, often recompenses the shadows and seeming appearances of virtue to show that complacency he takes in the ample rewards that he hath reserved for true and sincere piety. Nebuchadnezzar, though a tyrant, yet being engaged in God's service against Tyre, he shall have Egypt as his pay for his pains at Tyre. It is an ancient slur and slander that has been cast upon God as if he were an austere man, uh, an illiberal lord, uh, and as if there were nothing to be got in his service but knocks and blows and wounds and crosses and losses, whereas he is a rewarder, not only of them that diligently seek him, but even of the very worst of men that do any service for him. I have read of Herod Agrippa, the same that was smitten by the angel and eaten up of worms, because he gave not glory to God, that being bound in chains and sent to prison by Tiberius for wishing Caius to be in the empire, one Thaumastus, a servant of Caius, carrying a pitcher of water, met him, and Agrippa, being very thirsty, desired him to give him some of his water to drink, which he willingly did. Whereupon Agrippa said, This service thou hast done in giving me drink shall do thee good another day. And he was as big and as good as his word, for afterwards, when Caius was emperor, and Agrippa made king of Judea, he first got his liberty, then made him chief officer of his household, and after his decease, took order that he should continue in the same office with his son. Now, how much more, then, will the king of kings reward all those pious servants of his, 
that do not only give to him in his members cups of cold water, but do also redeem time from their very rest, meals and recreations, that they may have some time to seek the face of God in a corner. Certainly there shall not be a sigh, a groan, a prayer, a tear let fall by a poor servant in a corner that shall not be at last regarded and rewarded by the great God. Lyra, the Franciscan teacher in biblical exegete, says that Mordecai waited six years before his good service was rewarded by King Ahasuerus. It may be God may reward thee sooner for all thy closet services, but if he do not reward thee sooner, he will certainly reward thee better. He will reward thee with higher honors, greater dignities, more glorious robes, a more royal crown, even an incorruptible crown, a crown of righteousness, of life, of glory. And therefore hold on and hold out in your secret retirements, though some may deride you and others revile you, and your carnal masters discourage you, yet God is faithful and will certainly reward you. Yea, he will openly reward you for all the secret pourings out of your souls to his heart. Amen. Thank you for being with me today, and please look around my site before you leave. This is the Hackberry House of Chosun. This audio is being released on the 7th of April, 2023. Lord willing, we'll talk again real soon. Bye-bye.